0: Good morning, everyone. How's everybody
1: doing?
0: I'm hiding my styrofoam cup from Hayden, so he doesn't so he doesn't judge me.
1: No judge.
0: I told Melissa you, you, she has on your old shirt. Yeah. surrounded by
1: everybody
0: <laughs> yeah <clears throat> all right good morning everybody good morning um, Maria did announcements and stuff right okay so I guess we'll just jump right into it <coughs> Lord God thank you for today um, I thank you for uh, this chance to gather with, uh, other believers um, just grateful, Lord, for uh, all the blessings in our lives, and thank you for your your great love for us. And uh, pray, Lord, as I I teach today that it's um, the words you want me to say. <coughs> um, I'm grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to, um, to teach on on your word, and I'm grateful to these people who. Um, Listen, um, I don't take it um, for granted that I am allowed to do this. Um, I'm just very grateful for it. Um, pray you be with the kids upstairs, Lord. Um, that is something that I um, kind of overlooked in this whole thing is that <clears throat> the kids go upstairs and they're not bothering me, as opposed to the, they're going upstairs to actually learn how to become more like you and you know, to. Um, um, develop a faith that will guide them through, through life so I bless that time with them and with the, the teachers who volunteer their time and in this out on a lot of the teachings downstairs because they they sacrifice that time to to help the kids learn how to love you and how to follow you and I thank you for that. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this week, uh, we are starting a five-week study on the book of Hebrews. And one of the really cool things about being the first one to teach is you get to tell what the book is about, so I get to kill like ten minutes just talking about the book. It's a, isn't it? a big stick though right is that better yes yeah, all right well to me i sound like i'm really loud it's perfect. <laughs> okay so this week we are starting a five-week look into the book of hebrews it's the 19th book of the new testament The book gets its name because of the repeated use of Old Testament quotations and images, which suggests that it was to people of a Jewish background. The book of Hebrews is typically called an epistle or a letter, but it reads much more like a sermon or an essay. And other than 1 John, Hebrews is the only book of the the New Testament without a greeting or or an identification of who its author is. It was written by an unknown author at an unknown place to a people at an unknown destination and at an unknown date. But most uh, scholars agree that it was written before 70 AD, and we'll discuss that here after a while. Many credit the Apostle Paul for writing Hebrews, but most modern scholars find it highly unlikely because of the style and the language and the vocabulary is different than the other genuine letters of Paul. There's, there's a few, um, I can't remember exactly how many letters Paul is credited for writing. It's like 12 maybe or something like that. <clears throat> but there's seven of them that scholars are definitely sure that he wrote them. Um, the other ones, r- r- they think, were probably written by um, uh, disciples of Paul or, you know, uh, students, I guess you can say. And, and, and at the time, it was like, it was okay to credit the, the teacher with what you were writing because you're reflecting what he believed anyway. Kind of, I don't know how true any of that is, but that's just, that's put. Okay. But they, I think I'm pretty sure that seven of them that they definitely know that Paul himself wrote them. Uh, nobody can really uh, know for sure who wrote Hebrews, but one of the, and there's this bunch of names that are thrown around, Luke and um, Barnabas, Paulos and all that. But one of the names thrown around is Priscilla and Priscilla was the wife of Aquila, and and she's also a disciple of Paul um she's mentioned in one of paul's books letters about being um, faithful to 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 the faith and for spreading the gospel and some scholars believe her the reason why there's no name on this who this is they believe that that she probably wrote it and they purposely removed her name because you know at the time back then women's opinions and thoughts didn't didn't matter and so they think it's either for that reason or because they knew that men's opinions about women were like that they actually removed her name to protect the letter because they wanted the letter to get out because it's so good theologically and and everything so so one reason sounds kind of sinister the other one sounds fairly noble So um, the purpose of the letter, and, and that's, that's kind of one thing maybe we never talk about, is that when these letters are written, there's a reason why they're written. Um, most of Paul's stuff that he writes is he's, re- he's answering a letter that was sent to him. That's why we have to kind of discern what he's talking about because we don't know the questions. We just get the answers that Paul gives. And so you have to try to figure out what they're talking about and all this and everything. And so um, <clears throat> so the reason why they believe this letter was written, as one of my resources puts it, uh, the book of Hebrews was written to show how Jesus Christ had replaced Judaism, uh, Judaism as God's perfect revelation of himself. Now you can interpret that however you want to interpret that, right? It could be that, you can probably take that as um, because of because of Jesus, we don't need the Old Testament and the law. Um, if I if I were actually going to buy into that um, um, definition or explanation, it would be much more that um, um, that it, um, it's the book is is explaining how Jesus saves you as opposed to how the law saves you. Okay It was probably written because um, oh it was probably oh and they believe it was written to Jewish people, and I, I think I said that already because it has all the Old Testament stuff going on. Okay. It was probably written because these particular Jewish people were thinking about returning to the traditional, to, to traditional uh, Judaism beliefs and forsaking Christ as Messiah. Or at the very least, they felt they still needed to follow every aspect of the law. Which would mean sacrificing animals and all that. So we're going to read Hebrews 1 through 4. Long ago, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in in ancestors, there would be a sign that it's written to a, a particular group of I guess you could say race. Okay. Um, And now in these final days, he has spoken to us to his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son... Is far greater than the angels just as the name of god just, just as the name god gave him is greater than their names okay i've spoken many times on how i believe the old testament is the progressive revealing of god's true character and how god was systematically leading people to that revelation okay uh, the writer of Hebrews is in essence saying the same thing. So long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. <clears throat> it mentions later on in the letter that messages of the prophets and the law were, were, were shadows, a dim preview of the character of God and the message God was sending. And that message was made, but that message was made clear now through in. And be fully, you know, this is made clear and can be fully known in Jesus what God is truly like. So, um, and I think I have this written somewhere, but I'm going to just kind of talk here for a second. Um, <coughs> that's why right when you read the Old Testament and you, you'll read some of the things about like God saying to wipe out cities and to kill the children and bash their head against rocks and stuff like that, um, I think a lot of this letter is to clear that up about what God is like. So, okay. so that doesn't mean though that we should ignore the Old Testament. We just need to read it in light of what we know now about God through Jesus. So, if if we're going to, well, I should probably go. I'll just keep going. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us to his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son he created the universe. Right. The writer of Hebrews is setting up their case for the supremacy of Jesus over the prophets and the angels, as it's said later on, um, by saying that God has spoken to us to his son. In ancient Jewish, in, in ancient Jewish tradition, the eldest son got more of the inheritance than the younger sons. This verse is pointing out that Jesus received that Jesus receives received the entire inheritance, meaning Jesus is God's only son. And the writer throws in, through Jesus, God created the universe, which would mean what? This isn't really deep. I mean, what does that mean? If Jesus created the universe. That means that Jesus was... Yeah. What huh? else? I can't hear you. He's present at creation. Yeah. That he was before creation. <laughs> so, that sounds very reminiscent to... Does anybody know? John 1 In the beginning the word already existed The word was with God and the word was God He existed in the beginning With God God created everything through him And nothing was created except through him Look it still came up um, The word The word God, uh, the, the word gave life to everything That was created and his life brought light to everyone The light shines in the darkness And the darkness cannot distinguish it So um, They believe that the book of John was written towards the the latter part of the first century and they think around um, AD 96. And I've always been kind of told that John is the book that that tells us that Jesus was from the very beginning, right? Um, But they believe that that the book of Hebrews was written before AD 70. uh, Because it, it makes no mention of the temple being destroyed which would have been a really good example of how God was trying to do away with the sacrificial system by pointing out that he allowed the temple to be destroyed. But that's never mentioned anywhere in Hebrews. And I know that's kind of a, a nerdy thing, but that's... that's all right. So there's, there's not really anything super, super deep about all this. Um, it's, it's much It's much more setting up the rest of the book. Right, because the rest of the book talks about how Jesus is greater than Moses and how he's greater than Joshua, uh, how he's greater than Abraham, um, and and then starts talking about the sacrificial system is inadequate because because Jesus. So, so all this is kind of like there's not really much to talk about for me, and maybe it's because I just know this really well. I mean, not John, maybe like Hebrews only. Because I, I use this next part in verse three is like if you want to know what God looks like, this is how you know. Okay. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So for verse 3 for me is one of the most pivotal and crucial proof texts into understanding the character of God. This verse does everything but come right out and say Jesus is God. Actually, that's verse 2 and 3 kind of say this. At the very least, it tells us if you really want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. So it says, the sun radiates God's glory. Um, I actually looked up the definition of glory, and one of them is the presence of the divine. Okay, and what does it mean? Because you you hear things like um, like if a woman is pregnant or getting married, like she's she's radiant, she's radiating. What what does that mean? So you've been married and pregnant, I think you'd know. Okay. I don't
1: really know how to describe it. It's more of a feeling when you see someone that's radiating um, or glowing.
0: What are, th- what are they radiating? Mostly love. Okay. Yeah. Savannah has a reason not to know what does what does radiate mean you're right it's one of those words that you know what it means but you don't know how to put words to it okay that's actually one of the descriptions they use what, what are the rays of light doing They go out, so which which means what? If they're coming out, they're what? There's a source. There's a source, there you go. So that's why a bride radiates, because typically she's happy, right? She's full of joy because she's getting married. Gee, you all should be saying yes right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe
1: she's just wearing a lot of highlighter and a lot of makeup.
0: could <laughs> yeah. be. But I, I think, I think, like Rachel said, um, you see, like, the woman's pregnant or, you know, she, or she's getting married or whatever. It is. It's just like love is coming out, right? She is just full of that emotion at the moment of what, what is happening. Okay, so what is this saying then about the sun radiates God's own glory? What, is, what does that little section mean? Going by these definitions that we just talked about. Yeah, if glory if the definition of glory is the presence of the divine then that means that, that god is coming out of jesus that makes sense yes okay and in the sin expresses the very character of god What is character? I didn't look this up, so... Person is different. Person is
1: different.
0: Person is what? Different. Different? Okay. What is Quinn's character? Not that he is a character, we all know that, but what, what what is his character? How would you describe Quinn? Unique. <laughs> don't use vague terms. <laughs> unique is one of those that's kind of like I don't want to say anything bad about him, so I'll just say he's unique. Your
1: character is like your disposition, your personality.
0: Okay. Value. Yeah. Okay. So this is saying that the son expresses. Not disposition, personality. Yeah, his personality. Okay. If someone's untrustworthy, how do you describe their character? As untrustworthy, right? So the character is, is basically the essence of what makes a person who they are. I need to look that up. That's very good. No. So if you want to know what God's character is like, it's like who? What's jesus's character like no 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 no, no don't go there the, the one preacher i listen to that's what he says he, he'll say um, um hold on okay. he'll he'll say that god looks like jesus not that jesus looks like god because that's what that is saying. It's saying that if you want to know what God looks like or how God is, you look at Jesus, because He is the express, expression character in a very decent way. I'm burning through this. Um, so, um, any thoughts so far?
1: I think that statement you just made it was kind of it's kind of interesting because. I, if someone were to just ask me to say simplistically that relationship between Jesus and God I, I would probably say sort of naturally well Jesus looks like God that's probably what I would I would say right. but it's a very illogical thing to say because I don't really know what God looks like mm-hmm. um, it's, it probably does make more <coughs> sense to say I don't know what God looks like what's he look like well he actually we've got more documentation of a real person being Jesus, so we've got a better sense of what he looks like, and so it makes more sense to say God looks like Jesus. It, it has a it makes, you, it makes me uncomfortable because when you say that it, it, it almost implies a subservient type of thing, almost like God's under Jesus, and I think that's why it makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable to say it, but I, I think it practically it's still And I
0: think that's why they use language like the sun the son so the son is never above a father right yeah but at the at the most are equal um you see this is where this is where i i I draw some of the conclusion that this writer was read this letter this letter was written to i don't want to say debunk the old testament that's not right but the the misconceptions that god has this angry killer side to it because that's why they're they're going on about this is why you can it's it's kind of twofold they're saying that you can trust you can trust God because he's like Jesus but this is how but but it's also that um yeah you can trust God he's like Jesus but you can trust Jesus because he's like God because Jesus always he taught love and you know kindness and all that, and then there's parts in the Old Testament where you know God's saying to go wipe out whole cities and kill children, and animals, and and all that kind of stuff, and so that's kind of um, and one of the, one of the things I read they, they think that people were given up on on Christianity because of those very verses, because Jesus was not the kind of Messiah who's about dominating and taking over you know the romans and kicking them out taking the country back which sounds like what the old the god in the old testament would do because he he did They went the canaan they wiped out people and took over the land so so the writer is having to make this this stance on why you can still trust jesus and if you read hebrews there's all sorts of things there about not losing your faith, keeping your faith with Jesus and and all that. So, I mean, it would be a lot easier to know what the letter was about if we knew, really knew why it was written and and, and all that kind of stuff, but you just kind of deal with with what you got. Any other comments or anything? How many of you have read this before? Because it's easy to read things like the sun radiates. That, that's why, that's why I like looking up what words mean. Because you can actually, you can. It's easy to read some of this stuff, and you just kind of go along with it, as opposed to stopping and pondering what each word can possibly mean. And that's why it's good to look up what words mean in the Greek, also, so you know what the original language is. Because this is the New Living Translation, and it's just kind of it's written more. So you can understand it easier, and, and they even readily admit that they write it in such a way that it kind of reflects a little bit of the modern thinking, which I'm not so sure I agree with. That. But. Okay. So if you want to know what God's character is like, look to Jesus, the one who loves everyone, the one who gave his life for everyone. God loves everyone. God cannot not love everyone because God is love. Not a lot of times in the old testament comes across cruel and merciless but the writer tells us if we really want to know god then we look to jesus we don't look to the darkened shadows presented by the prophets though those shadows are pointing us towards jesus we have the full revealing of god through christ and uh, nt wright says that that the old testament is like a signpost in a haze pointing towards jesus which makes that very poetic When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So, when it, when it mentions about, when it's saying about, he had cleansed us from our sins, that's obviously talking about going to the cross. Paul says, God was in Christ redeeming the world while he was on the cross dying. We have a God who loves, who loves you no matter what you've done, no matter what your opinion of God may be, which is which is an interesting point that God loves you, even if you don't love Him, even if you don't believe in Him. But God loves you. As you come to partake in communion, remember that the body that was broken. And the blood that was poured out was not God inflicting his anger towards us upon the Son, but it was God, a very God, giving his life to show us in a way that we could understand how much he loves us. I do thank you, thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for coming to this earth and showing humans how to be completely human. I have many discussions and debates with people whose idea of love seemed very contrary to what you say love is. and they are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love them. But I'm afraid that they don't truly understand how great your love is, not just for us individually, just for everyone. Because it says that um, you gave your life for the whole world, not just for a select few. So I pray, Lord, as we come and we partake of the the bread and the juice, that we think about how you yourself showed that love is sacrificial, that love is hard. Sometimes love is painful. And sometimes love actually makes you bleed. And I pray, Lord, that we learn not only to do that with our friends and our family and those close to us, but even to those, even for those who we may consider to be an enemy. Help us, Lord, to know how to love like you. us to only see people through your eyes not through a political lens or through anything other than that we are all created in your image in you, in, and you found us all worthy to die for so let's become more. please let us remember how much you love us Let us be thankful for the mercy and the grace you have given us. And we ask for this in your son's name. Amen.